0: Kia ora and welcome to the Have a Chat with Nat podcast. A fun and insightful look into the life of me, Nat Hugel, AKA Lily Loka, actress, burlesque and drag artist, teacher and events manager. I'll be chatting about topical subjects, my experiences and opinions, as well as providing educational material for actors and creatives alike. I'll also be joined by the occasional guest from within the creative industries and we can share our experience and knowledge with you, our listeners. Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to the Have A Chat With Nat podcast with me, Nat. Now, we're going to dive straight on in because uh, I try to keep my podcast at least 30 minutes long, um, and I want to try and get this all in. So today's podcast is all about House of Drag, and I went onto Instagram stories a couple of times and asked all of you to send me your questions. Disclaimer, and I said this uh, before I put out the Instagram stories, I am not here for the gossip thirst trap, okay? Uh, I respect the other people in the house. I'm not going to go down to that level of being a shady bitch, basically. Um, If you saw me on the show, like, I just don't buy into that. Uh, This is my profession, Um, being a performing artist and entertainer. The last thing I want to do is be aligned with being a diva or egotistical or a bitch so and that's just not my nature i'm a huge empath with a lot of capacity for love and understanding and i just that's it's just it's not my vibe okay it's not my vibe um so if you're here for me to throw people under the bus then i'm sorry but that's not going to happen today um so a lot of the questions that are they're more about Um, like, yes, it are are about some of my experiences, etc, etc, but it's not like, oh my god, who was the shadiest bitch, and oh, you know, like, what happened, this, that, and the other. Um, I'm not going to delve into that, because I don't agree with that at all. So, let's get into it. We've got a lot to get through. Um, I've got 17 questions here, but I'm going to elaborate on some of them a little bit. So, number one. Would you have rather come in at the beginning, or are you okay being an intruder? Okay, so there is a lot of misinformation about this, and Gina has, my intruder sister, has gone into detail in this on her Instagram stories, but um, basically, we were all cast at the same time. Gina, Spanky, and I were asked the Friday before, we were meant to go into the house on the Monday, we were asked on the Friday before so two days before if we would go in as intruders yeah I remember the phone call because I was at my I was in my parents house and the producer Amanda was like hmm, so I have something to put to you and I was like oh yes and basically um, long story short she chose me as an intruder because I was somewhat outside the drag scene and I was less likely to be um what's the word uh, outed I guess or like found out before the filming. Um, and also because the challenges, like we got told what challenges, uh, this is a question that was coming up, but we, we got told what the challenges would be. And I said, right, well, if you want me to be an intruder, then you need to tell me what challenges are going, that I'm going to miss. You don't need, and, because they couldn't tell me what challenges were coming, what were going to be like, what days challenges were going to be coming on. But she was able to tell me what the challenges, whether I was missing out, which was the uh, make a garment challenge, the dance challenge, oh, the prosthetics challenge. And I was like, yeah, sweet, done. (laughs) Because I was like, I can't sew for shit. This is the girl. This is the girl that went to brownies, and I couldn't get my sewing badge. I tried three times. Girl, I could not get my sewing badge. And so I left in protest. (laughs) So. I can rhinestone to filth, but I cannot sew. So um knowing that those were the challenges I was gonna miss out on and knowing that the yeah, the fashion, the make a garment challenge was gonna be the one that I was like most nervous about, I was like, yep, yeah, sweet, done. Like that was that was it. And apparently like there was some other uh competitors who were like, Oh, why didn't we get chosen, etc cetera, etc? Cetera. I can't answer that. Like you that's a question that you have to ask the producer. Um as an OG, like, I think it would have been one less thing to have been uh, sort of hated against, you know what I mean? Like, being an intruder and coming in, the OGs were like, yeah, sweet. And that was a very clear decision by the production crew to be, like, the OGs versus the intruders. Uh, and then, had I just been an OG, then I wouldn't have had to worry about the extra hate of being an intruder, do you know what I mean? Um, but then, obviously, there was... Flack for me being in there anyway, just because um you know some people didn't agree with me not being in the drag scene per se. Uh, some people didn't agree with the fact that I was a uh, you know that I did burlesque and now I'm a drag artist or whatever. Um and then also because I was uh, identified as straight at the time. Um, Now, just a little thing on that. Uh, If you are interested in my bisexual journey, then you can go to my IG Instagram um, TV and you can see bisexuality, my story. I do a 15-minute story on it from beginning to end. Basically, long story short, I identified as bisexual all the way through my teenage years. Uh, I got married at 23 to a heterosexual male, been in a relationship with since I was 20. Uh, I got very confused about my identity because, you know, I still had flings and (laughs) sexual encounters with women. But, uh, and my husband was really cool with that, it was no problem. But I felt a lot of bi like internalized bi I felt like I wasn't bisexual enough and I questioned my own identity for a very long time. And uh, I didn't really talk to anybody about it and really I should have. There's a lot of things that I could have done better. Um, And I went into, and so for, from from sort of after I had my daughter really, yeah, so probably about 2015, I was like, well, can I even, do I have the kudos to say that I'm a bisexual person anymore? And yeah, I basically just started calling myself heterosexual or straight. Like, and I knew that the word straight didn't sit with me. It's it's not who I am. And I've just never been who I am. But uh, yeah, I just, I just felt like I wasn't queer enough. And uh, in November last year, I finally came out. And a lot of this was stemmed, like, the really good thing about House of Drag is it really got me to question and sit with how I felt about myself and my, my sexuality. I talked to a lot of people and yeah, and basically I was like, you know what? I, I am bi, it is it is who I am. And since then I've really embraced it and I really love it and I just feel so much more freedom and less conflict. So you can go into my ID stories to hear more about that. All right, who did I see is the biggest threat competitor wise? Hmm, this is a good question. So when we walked in, I knew Gina, um, I knew Gina, and I knew Willie, and I knew, no, that's it, that's all I knew, um, oh, no, okay, so (laughs) Electra was there, right, I thought she was Lucina Innocence, I was like, oh, hey, girl, lovely to see you, and I was like, hold on, that's not Lucina, no, that's not, (laughs) I didn't actually realize who it was until, like, They started talking to me. I was like, "Oh, that's that's James. That's Electra." Oh, okay. Hey, hey, how's it going? (laughs) So, yeah, I just um, so I didn't recognise them until yeah, I thought they were someone else. Uh, so when I realised that Electra was there, I was like, "Okay, you're one I have to watch out for," because I didn't know any of the other girls at all. Um, apart from you know, and I knew Willie. Um, he use the right pronouns, Uh, and I knew Gina, she, Uh, and I thought, oh, Gina, this is going to be interesting, because I didn't really know Gina. Gina and I had chatted on Twitter when I had a Twitter, which was eons ago, Um, but I hadn't really sort of followed her on any other platform, so I didn't really know, like, I knew who she was and stuff, but uh, yeah, so long story short, uh, it was probably a lecture, and then as the competition kept started going, it turned to Spanky. Spanky was definitely up there. How small is that stage? Oh, girl. <laughs> that stage is ridiculous It is the smallest stage ever. And it is, um, God, what was it made out of? It was like a really shiny, had it got wet, like you would have gone over on it real easy. And it's tiny. And I don't think it was joined down in the middle either. So you could kind of fall through it she was, she was a mess. Uh, why didn't Gary make an appearance on the show? Good question. So, oh my goodness, you should have seen how many freaking bags of stuff I had. I had, uh, penny royalty. I had Jethro Jenkins. I had Gary, I had two suits for Gary. And then I just bought everything that I could think of and I put outfits together sort of as I was packing just in case but and this is a question that was brought up too was why didn't I come in as Gary or a specific character the thing is is that with character drag right which is what I do um like With Gary, for example, he is a three-dimensional person, and I have a really good blog on this called Character versus Persona. Okay, a persona you can fall like it's kind of like this alter ego. So it's not got they've not got their own specific voice necessarily, and they're they're basically you exaggerated. Okay, a character is a character. So it's kind of like if you're going to go see a play and you see someone playing a character, they're fully realized. They've got their own backstory. They've got their own intentions, motives, objectives. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. They've got their own way of walking, talking, and that is who Gary is to me. Had I come into House of Drag as Gary, I'd have had to be Gary the entire time. And a shoot day would go from five thirty. Like we'd wake up at five thirty in the morning. Cap, skeleton ca- camera crew would be there from about six thirty. So you would be sort of there from six thirty. Right through into about seven, seven thirty would when we be finished shooting for the day and finally have our marks off. So you imagine being in character for that long, and I intended to try and stay as long as I could. So I was there four days. So imagine, imagine being in character for that entire time. And like Gary is a very, very intense character. He's very highly strung, very anxious, has very particular character mannerisms. He's got a lot of tension in his body. He has a very high pitched voice. So, excuse me. So uh, it it was just going to be too much. Like if I could have jumped into him, then totally. I kind of Gary-rised Uh, when we did the acting challenge, um, the character who I had there was very much Gary inspired. So I was able to kind of bring him in that way. But um, to be honest, I just was like, well, I don't, I didn't want to, I just wanted to take every day as it came and kind of do what I intuitively thought. And my whole point, uh, like my whole brand as as a performer is being gender fluid and take being a consummate mistress of disguise. So I didn't want to limit myself to just one character. And there would have been Inception because I would have been like Gary playing this or Gary doing that. It would have just been way too much for me. And it was a brand new environment. And I was like, I just want to go in there with a whole bunch of stuff and do whatever feels right on the day. So for the acting challenge, I did that. For the um, hosting challenge, I decided to do a drag king look, but just do me. Um, Celebrity impersonation challenge. I did Captain Jack Sparrow. Which, um, yeah, God, that was hard. That was an intense day. Oh, my God. Because, like, okay, so just this is leading into another question, but I'm going to fill it into here, too. So on the day, uh, we, we uh, spank, it's the day that the intruders came, uh, Spanky, myself, and Gina got delivered to the gate via tax, our own taxis. Um, they gave us taxis. Uh, I had a taxi van, thank God, because I had a shizer ton of, uh, of suitcases. Uh, we met at the gate, then on queue we went down, and then we went up into the, uh, into the top bedroom where the veranda is, and we waited, and then Kidder and Nita were outside with the cast. They said, oh, and we've got some new friends, la la la, and then we come out. And then we had to do that take twice and then we went down and we did that take twice where we greet them and say hello, or whatever, and then we go and get ready for our for our challenge. Now, here's the thing, y'all, is that when we go to go inside to do the challenge, and we've only got like an hour, an hour, an hour and a bit, all of our luggage is still sitting in the atrium. We haven't been able to unpack, we haven't been able to do anything. So when you see us in what was then, what became Spanky's room, <laughs> they that's us literally being like holy crap like we have like uh, we, we thought we would have at least had a bit of time to unpack but no no we were straight into it we weren't able to get any of our stuff sorted we weren't able to get our bearings and for me is like I'm not making any excuses um I'm just stating a fact that for me as an anxious person and like I do this as a performer anyway I always like to get to venues early get all my stuff lined out and that's kind of how I calm myself and ready myself mentally for p- performing is just having everything in its place and being so uh thrown into this situation but not even able to unpack uh, and just go straight into it with no preparation just didn't set me in the right mindset and so then in the challenge <laughs> holy crap um so i'm i'm really proud of my look i'm really proud of what i did and like i'm proud of like the one-liners that i was able to get in like one of them was um i'll seen you down at the wolves love Yes, said the fishmongers, you've had a few eels in your times or maybe a couple of prawns, eh? Nice, Sivvy. So, I, like, there was a couple of those jokes. And then the was like, yeah, some of the jokes didn't land. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. What whatevs, <laughs> but honestly, I couldn't get a freaking word in, I could not, uh, Jen was just at me, at me, at me, and I was like, oh my god, like, just let me speak, for fuck's sake, um, so that was the most, uh, frustrating, uh, challenge, and then literally, like, after that, then we went up stairs, and oh, you, you saw what happened, it was, it was, it was a time, but, um, yeah, that was a, like I've done Captain Jack a couple of times and I usually improv with him a lot. So I'm, but he's a very physical character. So I do a lot of walking around and I just, I was disappointed in myself and I beat myself up so badly for it, uh, you know, after filming. And I was so anxious about that one episode coming out because I knew that I didn't do as well as I could. And I'm in my head, like I was like, you were really anxious, you were really out of your comfort zone, you did the best that you could, like, don't be so hard on yourself, but at the other time, I was like, this is what I do, and I felt like I didn't showcase myself as well, but remember, team, like, it's very easy to judge, but, like, so, like, it was a new experience for all of us, and we, it was, it was, it was tough, she was tough, it was a really tough environment, it was very, highly stressful highly strung you had production team coming at you trying to create drama there was drama inside the house there was oh god it was just and having cameras in your face the whole time not being able to have your mic off um you literally did not have your mic off from the time filming started to when it ended and so anything that you said could be used either for you or against you um let's move on uh, what was the filming schedule like? How frequent were the challenges? Okay, so that leads into this question. So um, basically, you would wake up in the morning at about 5.30. Um, I think the per- the last person to wake up was Claire. And honestly, I don't know how she did it. But she, she would, like, get up late, have a bit of breakfast, and then get her face on literally within half an hour. I'm like, how? you are a magician. I have no idea. Please do my face. Um, so, yeah, we'd get up, and Gina and I were buddies. So we stayed in one room together and then Spanky had what's called the the wank room, (laughs) Uh, the pink room that you first hear us get ready in for the the celebrity impersonation challenge. And then there's the top room and that's where everybody else slept. And so Gina and I would get up and we'd go downstairs and we'd have our morning coffee and just like, you know, settle ourselves and get ready. And then we'd start our, our faces. Spanky usually got ready in her room, but sometimes she'd venture out and sit out with us. Bionica... Electra and Claire all got ready in the downstairs bathroom. Willie and Jen and Fleur would get ready out in like the other lounge room. And then, yeah, uh, we ended up sort of occupying, like the intruders <laughs> ended up occupying the um, the kitchen sort of dining table area. So you'd have until about 10 o'clock to get your face, like to get completely ready. You have to be ready by 10 and you get mic'd up and everything um, by from 6.30, you'd have like a skeleton crew there. So it's like maybe one or two people with a camera. And then they'd just film you getting ready and doing chit chats and things like that. So by 10, everybody's there, everybody's ready to go. We did a briefing as to what's going to happen on the day. And then we filmed, like, the first part, which is where Kira and Anita um, come out and address us. Like, usually, like, like there was different ones. So there was a lounge room uh, where we'd all have a kiki before Kira and Anita come in. Or there was, like, when we played badminton. Or all the other ones that we did? Oh, we sat out by the pool when Bionica came back. And so yeah, we do that. And you might do that a couple of times. And then we'd have about one and a half to two hours to get a challenge done. However, between that, we do the shade room. So you'd have be taken away and you have to go and record something for the shade room. Um, you'd have to, so there's different types of shots that they get of you. So they'd have a camera on you and you like, some of the, some of the conversations were, like, they call it reality TV, and it's, it's, it's kind of, like, it is reality in this respect that a lot of it is, like, happens, um, that there's a lot of conversations that do happen organically, um, some of them are kind of, um, put to you. So they be like, Oh, why don't you ask this person about this thing? Um, but they also have things called lookies. And so after you've had a conversation with someone, then you have to go back and be, and they'll be like, okay, can you go and, uh, record like you know we'll just press record and can you just look at um spanky and just nod to her in agreeance of something so like there's all these little tiny shots and so in between trying to get ready for a uh for a challenge you're having to do all of this film work and so really it reduces your time down to about an hour like they say yeah or even like 45 minutes so like for captain jack i had about 40 minutes to get into that by the time that we were finished, I was just like, oh my God. So I'm really proud of the fact that that happened. Um, and then you'd film the challenges and then, and we wouldn't really have a lunch break. We'd have like a morning tea break. So after, sorry, I'm traveling backwards and forwards here. After we'd have the challenge announced to us, then we'd have like a morning tea break for like, fifteen minutes, half an hour. And if you wanted to, you could just start going and getting ready for your challenge if you wanted to. Um we didn't really have a lunch break um because we just keep going through. We'd film about two, three in the afternoon for the uh like they'd film us obviously when we we're doing all the creative process and stuff, but when we went up in the observatory we'd be up there around two or three and then yeah we were up there for a good hour and a half or whatever. And then we come back down, de-drag, and then they do all of our filming for the day. So, like, in terms of, like, so if you see in an episode where we're wearing the same thing and they come back to us from the beginning of the episode and i will be like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe that person said that or whatever. And then, like, talking about, you basically talk about the entire day, but you have to talk as though it's happening right now. So you have to use the right, um, what am I call it? not pronouns <laughs> I can't even remember anyway uh so yeah and so that would take into it once everybody was done that was about seven o'clock and then the film crew would leave about seven thirty-eight. um so yeah and that would happen every day what was your favorite challenge uh definitely the acting challenge I love the acting challenge um that's because that's what I do and that's that's where my greatest strength lies um most difficult challenge um Hmm. For, for me mentally it was it was the uh celebrity impersonation challenge because um I just wasn't in the right mindset for it. But uh actual yeah, probably I don't know. I actually had real fun with all of them. Um But yeah, I I would probably say the celebrity impersonation challenge just because of where I was at mentally that time. What challenge excited you the most as a drag artist and viewer? Again, acting challenge. It's what I do. It's my, it's my, it's my happy place. And, uh... I was really looking forward to seeing how, you know, it's it's good being a performer and being able to carry yourself, but it's also great working as a team and with other people and vibing of other people's energy. So I was really looking forward to seeing what our uh, performance looked like on screen in comparison to the others. Would you come back for an all-star season? <laughs> um... <laughs> um- it was funny the cast and I were talking a while back and uh we were talking about how cool it would be to have a reunion um session like how they do in another drag show that we shall not name I think now I would maybe like things are things are relatively okay I guess with all of us um like and just a disclaimer too Bionica and I, I don't know, this is something that really irritates me too, is Bionica got so much shit about being the person coming for me, and yeah, sure, there was, like, she did come for me, like, let's be honest, but there was also other people in the house who were doing that too. Basically, yeah, everybody was coming for me who wasn't an intruder, so I, like, why are we putting so much impetus on her, Uh, and why wasn't anybody else getting the amount of hate? that she was getting and why wasn't other people standing up for her who were part of that group uh, yeah we, bionica and i are good now like there's n- you don't need to worry about that at all we're good we had a really good talk about things uh and this is well before the before everything aired and um you know, do, do I, do I forgive her for what happened? Yes, I do. Because I don't believe in holding grudges. And despite me not having a good time and being mentally screwed for a couple of months afterwards, that was not just her fault. There was a lot of other people at fault there too. And yeah, I just don't think that, yes, she said some things and she did some things, but there, but she came to me and we've talked about it and we've, you know, we're good now. So don't put all the pressure on her. There was other people there at fault too. Um, let's turn it over. Is it hot in the conservatory? It is boiling hot. Uh, it is stifling up there. It's basically just like right up the top of the house. It's like the, is it just It's the third story in the house, I think. Is it? I can't remember how many steps we had to climb, but uh, yeah, it's really really hot. No, like they cut. They uh closed. And covered all of the windows. And the challenge that Kelly went home in. Regular cow Uh She, yeah, apparently the uh, competitors were telling me that, um, were telling us the intruders that, like, they nearly fainted up there. And the onesie suits and the prosthetics, because it was so hot and they couldn't breathe. It was, yeah, it was stifling. Jen leaving still isn't clear to me. Was she annoyed by the presence of you, intruders, or your drag? Okay, so... This has been going round and round and round. Okay, so let me let me tell you the tea. Jen Gentrifier is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And Jen, m- me, being in the house, my drag, had nothing to do with her leaving. Nothing. Okay? And she'll tell you the exact same thing. What happened was... Well, It's not my place to say, so I'm not going to go into full detail about it. But basically, Jen had issue with the production um, and production values. So she left because of that. And you can ask her and she'll tell you the exact same thing. And that's the honest truth. The way that it was portrayed, I was just as surprised as you. I was sitting in a dressing room getting ready to perform that night in a show and I watched it with Chris O, my lovely friend, um, who was over from Europe. uh, And we were backstage watching it. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's an unexpected turn. So they, because basically what happened is Jen, Jen, after we'd been given our roles, after we would decided our roles, just kind of disappeared. And then, as I said, in, you know, in the um, confessionals, I was like, you know, like, she said, meet me upstairs in five, I went upstairs, I took my mic off, she said, you know, I'm over this, blah, 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 I'm not going to go into what she said, because that's her own personal business, it's not my story to tell, Uh, and then we didn't see her, and then we knew that she was leaving, so I was really genuinely concerned about her, and she came to me and said, look, you look, seem like a really nice person, and you know, I'm just, yeah, it's her story to tell, and I don't know how much of it, I can tell, and it's, yeah, I- I'm not going to go there. So long story short, no, I am not the reason why Jen left. Uh, my drag isn't the reason why Jen left, and it's not because of the intruders that Jen left. Uh, were there cool parts of the house that were not shown on camera? Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> it's amazing, though. Like, they like they transform a room for the confessionals. Like, a lot of the confessionals, so were literally shot in the bedrooms and they just take a corner of a bedroom and like do it up and put um tinsel curtains everywhere. <laughs> uh and like the lounge room was completely yeah, like the lounge room was the same room that we did the Celebrity Impersonations Challenge with the table in it. Um I really wanted to stand on that c- table as Captain Jack, but I didn't actually know what the table was made out of because I think it was just a bit of plyboard and something else. So I didn't get up on there. But I really wish I had now. Um, no, not really. There was a pool. The front, like, atrium bit was nice, but you kind of saw that. No, you really didn't miss out on anything. Uh, what challenge would you add to the show if you could? Ooh. Mmm. That's a good one. Um, I'd add, like, a challenge. I, I You know, I'm just a dr- drama nerd at heart. So, like, I'd love them to do, like, peer uh, challenges where, you know, like, actually, it was shown in the last... Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race <clears throat> uh, where they had to like create their own product or sell a product um, and I think that's a really good skill to have is to be able to sell a product um, and be an ambassador for, you know, if you hit the big time, uh, to be an ambassador for either a product or a service and so being able to do that would have been really cool to see that happen I would have liked to have seen I would have liked to see more role playing I just love role playing Did we get told the challenges in advance? So we got told a list of the challenges so that we could prepare somewhat uh, in terms of costumes and things um, before we went into the house. But we wouldn't get told what the challenge was um, until usually the night before. What improvement suggestions would you put forward to production for season three? Uh, what I would put forward to production is I'd say take a look at the likes of Next in Fashion and Glow Up, because I feel like they, on Netflix, and if you haven't watched them, please do. They're amazing, amazing shows, and they've put a real positive spin on um, on reality TV and the fact that they they really focus on the creative um, process of the contestants rather than the drama. Like, there's there's little bits of tension and things like that, but it's actually just about the creative process and learning more about the people, Uh, and I've really enjoyed that, and I'd really love to see that for drag, Um, because I feel like, I feel like the show season one and season two played into the stereotype that drag queens are dramatic bitches and drag kings and all forms of drag. And um, it's just not, it's a stereotype that I think we've been trying to get away from for a very long time. And yes, there is drama, but there's drama in every sort of performing arts facet. And burlesque, oh my Lord, is there drama, is in acting. Like I took a break from acting for a while because I couldn't deal with all the egos. It's everywhere. And I just felt like instead of really focusing on the drag itself and the creative process and the thought and the talent of the performers, I don't really feel like that was focused on and utilized. I feel like it was just, you know, like obviously the drama with me. There were so many amazing talks that happened in that house. Like Bionica talked about the Vogue scene and got to talk and uh, educate the audience about that and also being a person of color and coming from a minority um you know we're talking about like representing queer culture as well uh there's there was talks about afab performers and female performers we had four female performers in that house four four that's freaking awesome was that ever talked about no well, it was, but it just wasn't shown. And there was so much content, guys. Like, there was so much that you didn't see. Considering we were being filmed from 6.30 in the morning until 7, and the show's, like, what, 20, 20 minutes long, 25 minutes long? There was so much you didn't see. And I'm just dis- I'm just disappointed that a lot of those important talks, like, and also with Gina, like, having trans representation there, culture, like, talks about culture, Uh, there was just, and, and, and also just about different types of drag, um, you know, like Stabatha and Ruba, but also from a theater, theatrical background as well. So it would have been cool to kind of delve into those and like, Electra comes from a contemporary dance background and, um, and so does Gentrifier. So, and I just, there was so many cool talks that could have been had and so much culture and, um, education that could have been, uh, portrayed and given to the audience but it really wasn't it was just shallow and base drama and that's something I was really disappointed about and had I known that that was the environment that I was going to go into um and uh, and had I known that that was how I was going to be received there is no way in how that I would have ever done that um also just a disclaimer um I did not go into the house being ignorant because I went into the house thinking this is a house of drag. I do drag as a part of what I do. I have done for a very long time. So why don't I throw my hat in the ring? And I'm just one of those people that's like, why not? Like, you know, I'm a yes person if, if it's, yeah. And that's how I got into burlesque was just seeing an opportunity and being like, hey, why not? And look where it's taken me. So I was like, well, why not? And then I put a Facebook status out and an Instagram story status out being like, hey, guys, like. I'm a bit conflicted, like, what do you think? And a lot of people were like, yes, you do drag as a part of what you do, like, why not? Go for it. And then I actually, and then the same was on Instagram stories, like, I had a couple of people be like, mm, I don't know, but like, the majority were like, yeah, do it, do it. You do drag as a part of what you do, like, why not? And that's kind of what, that's the mentality that I literally went into House of Drag with. It wasn't that I'm a solely a drag performer, I'm not. I do a lot of other things, but I do drag as a part of burlesque and character and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, Why not? It's drag. And I went and talked to Keda and Anita who I've worked with numerous times, either for them or we've been at the same gigs together or they've been at my gigs that I've hosted. And I was like, hey girls, like I wanna talk to you about this. Like, what do you think? And they were like, hell yeah, like your drag is totally great and wonderful. And yeah, go for it. And I talked to people like Madula. Um, I talked to another great advocate was Keri Trent Ranganui from Project Runway. He was like, oh my God, you have to do it. And Project Runway also had the same producer as us. So uh, yeah, I just kind of thought, well, why not? And so that's why I jumped into it and did it. I'd love a reunion. Let's make a reunion happen. That would be really cool. And I think it would be really interesting for people to see. Right. And there was one more question, which uh, I got messaged and they say, you say that you're over all the drama and that's understandable, but did you learn anything from it? Did you listen and not and take not as to why they were upset? Because all I have been reading is that I'm over it, all the girls are over it and we're sick of hearing about it. You haven't said anything about what you've learned as a white person who identified as straight at the time. Any thoughts about what you would have done differently? I guess something that I have definitely learned and this is kind of a tricky question to answer because I don't want to sound like I'm trying to defend my actions and I didn't really do anything I don't think wrong necessarily. Um, A lot of people were upset because I got chosen over Bionica who represented all of these minority um, cultures and everything and there's a very strong um, person and advocate and supporter of the queer community and minorities, etc. And you got to remember, team, that was a production choice. I didn't make that choice to take her place. It just happened that way. I was in the house. It could have been anybody else in the house. And if they had taken her place, like I'm, and you know, I, I was one of the first people you know when they asked me in the confessionals when bionica came back they said are you happy that she's back i was like yeah i'm happy that she's back i'm totally happy also uh, another thing sorry i'm segueing here the conversation that was had between bionica and i on the um on the veranda when she came back that was so heavily edited like bionica and i watched that episode together and we were like oh my gosh i cannot believe that 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 was how it was taken because it made her to look like she was really there and not focused and um, trying to, didn't give two shits about what I had to say. We actually had quite a good conversation uh, about how she felt and why she felt the way that she felt and how I felt and why I felt the way that I felt. Um, so, yeah, that was very, very misconstrued. Remember, editing team, it's all about the edits. As a heterosexual privilege, like when I identified at the time as heterosexual closeted, bisexual person, I, I, you know, in the show, I acknowledged my privilege already, um, being a straight, white, heterosexual woman from a middle-class family, um, there's a lot of privilege I already have off the bat, um, and I have always had a lot of love and compassion and understanding for the queer community, as well as minorities. Um, before this, I worked as a drama teacher, and I was a co-HOD at Onehanga High, which was a decile two school. Really, it should have been decile one, but it's a decile two. 80% of the uh, of the school's population at the time were Māori Pacifica, and <sighs> that was the, the turning point for me where I really realised my privilege really realized my privilege because as a teacher some of the shit that I had to see my kids go through was horrible like for example um say if there was a kid playing up you'd have to be really careful in terms of uh like there was every school has their own way that you um discipline children so um it might be you know, a couple of, like, warnings, and then you keep them for detention, if they don't turn up to detention, you have to go to the dean, if they don't turn up to the dean's detention, then the dean calls home, and the thing is, is that there's a, a few children who I, a few students, rather, I'll say students, who I had to go through the process of, they just wouldn't go to the dean's thing, and I was like, shit, I have to really take this into question as to whether I push this further, because there was some students who i knew that if they got a call if their parents got a call from the dean's office that they might not turn up to school for a couple of days and that was something that i had to have on my conscience and have to take into real consideration and me as you know i've I've come from a loving family with a mum and dad um i've you know i've never had to suffer like not not ever been hungry Never not had a roof over my head. I've never been abused by my parents. Um, Those kind of things really came crashing down. And this is, we're looking at 2011. So a long time ago. Um, Also, I had kids who, like students who had come to school with no food. Um, I had students who literally, apart from their school clothes, had their Sunday clothes. And then they didn't really have any other clothes apart from that. Uh, students who uh kept bringing in the wrong footwear and stuff because they their parents couldn't afford school shoes um I had a student who would keep falling asleep in class all the time and I couldn't understand why and I won't go into too much detail because that's a breach of their privacy but basically they had four younger siblings that they had to take care of and their parents would just disappear as soon as they came home so they took on the role as mum uh, and. I just couldn't, there was so many life lessons that I learned teaching at that school, and I went above and beyond for those students. I would stay after school, I brought in food, additional food, and I always have um, have had an open door policy, so if students want to come in and they knew where the food bin was, they'd just come in and get some food from me, because no questions asked. Um, because I just wanted them to be fed and with nutritious food so I always brought in extra food Um, I always came in on the holidays and I took on a role really as a counsellor slash teacher because some of those kids couldn't talk to their parents or family about things and um, it was hard and It really, really, really ground into me. Holy crap, I am one privileged person, and so I have understood that for a long time. And but it was good to be reminded of it again. Um, and I have, yeah, a lot of queer people who I do know, and um, before House of Drag and things, I, I you know, I run my own productions that I've always had always had it a queer friendly space for audiences and um performers alike I don't just discriminate you know if you're a great talent I don't care what your sexuality is or how you identify like I care in terms of I respect you but like if you're talented and you're great then yeah I'll have you like that's not even a question to me um so so long as you're a nice person that's all I ask and that you're talented and genuine you know that's I just yeah so to To kind of be put in this position on the show where it's like, oh, well, you have no idea about cultural minorities or queer queer community and the minorities. I do, I really do. I have learnt, I have learnt from the house. Um, I I've really tried to make an effort to be more engaged in the queer community, to know more about my minorities, uh, cultural minorities, um, but. It, yeah I just felt like for some people to get the impression that I didn't have any clue and that I was just this white chick who just had privilege and I just didn't give a shit was a really not okay it didn't sit well with me because again a lot of people didn't know my backstory or anything like that and as a teacher and as a um as a performer who has a lot of people in the queer community or from minority communities um i do listen and i do care this is way longer than i thought it would be but hopefully i've gone through enough tea for you for um for what you would like uh if there's any other questions that you have always feel free to get back in touch with me you can hit me up on the igs at nat hugel creative uh thank you so much for tuning in i don't know when the next one is going to be i'm just flowing through this um Quarantine stage, just you know, riding the wave and feeling as the inspo comes to me, I'll do something. So, if you have a request for a particular podcast, then please do let me know. Uh, otherwise, I will see you next time and I hope this has been enjoyable. Kaki diano.